A eunuch can have sex. This is spoilers. This is spoilers. Hey guys. Gross. It, yeah. Hey. This is. <laughs> hey there. This is Josh. Uh, just real quick, want to introduce everyone going around. Jordan, you're recording out of North Carolina, right? Yes, sir. And we got Stevie in Mishawaka. See. Producer Stevie, and we have Money Mike in Elkhart. Yeah, and so. for the first time in this Game of Thrones season, <laughs> we have the pop Pat Father joining us. Hello, Pappy. Hello, Josh. Where are you at? I'm in Denver, Colorado. Do you have your timer ready so that we know when to end this episode? Or okay, where the fuck is that even <laughs> coming from? I don't. <laughs> well, last week I listened to the episode. Heard a lot about Ed Shireen. Heard a lot about how much you guys like were fixated on that. Didn't hear a lot about Jorah. Didn't hear a lot about the wall not coming down. Heard a lot about the stupid ass Clegane Bowl, but and also how was that stupid? Also picking on me. I asked per, for permission from the Pat Father. Can we please do a Game of Thrones pod? And he was like, Yes, ten minutes max. Like, <laughs> not a second over but honestly they call me slavers bay pappy that's what they call me well i did receive some feedback from that episode from someone named drew in elkhart indiana he has three points here number one episode one did not suck and you're all flaccid penises <laughs> point number two a little hurtful i don't know why everyone is so mad about the ed uh however you say his last name scene both you guys and the rest of the world, it was pretty lame, but not even a tiny bit of a big deal. And th- Agreed. And three, how the hell can none of you pronounce his incredibly simple name? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was Ed Sheeran, and Pap is an Ed Sheeran apologist, for those who are wondering. Oh my god, we're back on Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more time spent on that. All right, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get says, moving, says guys. Pat. <laughs> we only have, what is it, seven minutes and 45 seconds now. Come on, let's go. Speaking of, you know, talking a lot at the beginning, this episode starts with Dragonstone with like a two-hour conversation between Varys and Daenerys. Uh, did anybody else feel this was forced and maybe boring? It felt like it was forced because Danny was born, I think. <laughs> just like needed somebody to turn on real quick. She's looking to rile some stuff up just for fun. Rustle some jimmies. She's a drama, <laughs> drama queen. And why pick on the guy with no balls? Just leave him be. This was a rough episode for Eunice. It wasn't really forced to me. The only thing that was forced was Amelia Clark's fucking horrible She's acting. such a bad actress. I thought I thought the scene served a purpose because like it I mean you're not supposed to trust Barry's 100%, right? So like she'd be dumb not to ask these questions at some point. But this yeah, is the first time they're having this conversation. I mean, yeah. Hasn't he been around for like 3 seasons now or something <laughs> with her? With her? Yeah. Maybe she really was bored. It's a good point, Jordan. I mean, it's raining outside. She can't do much with her dragons. I don't know. She just wants someone to burn. <laughs> and speaking of burning, uh, Melisandre, Melisander. Listen to these Mil- transitions, folks. Milis- these are flame. <laughs> I learned everything I know from Chuck Freebie, by the way. Um, friend of the friend of the pod. 
Anyway, anyway <laughs> Melisandre, the red woman, she visits Dragonstone and kind of offers her services up, um, continuing a stream of dialogue with no action so far. I, I was I was getting pretty worried about this episode at this point. What about y'all? Lots of talking in this episode about stuff that we already know. I do feel yeah. Like it would have been more exciting if there were more explosions. You guys are right. That would make it better. <laughs> Pap, you found this dialogue enthralling. I find that hard to believe. No, but it's. I feel like it's necessary maneuvering because, like, yeah, it's boring, but we need some way to connect Jon Snow to Daenerys, and that was the mechanism. Wouldn't Tyrion like, be a connection? No, Tyrion doesn't know anything about the dead. Ah, gotcha. I, th- I think you hit on a good point, though. They're beyond George R. Martin's material at this point, and I think the dialogue has really suffered and you can really tell they're just trying to maybe get from point a to point b do you think it's tough i think it's it's probably the same problem he's having writing the books that's true do you think it's tough because we as the audience kind of know more than like any of the characters at this point and so like we're waiting for those puzzle pieces to be connected rather than like it being revealed to us slowly like they revealed all the john stuff and now we know that eventually he has to get to danny at some point they have to meet and now it's just like them slowly con- converging, I guess. I like how John didn't even put two and two together that that dragons can melt snow. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. I guess a dragon would be pretty useful. <laughs> Davos is like, you know what fire kills? Snow. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, I guess you're right. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Before we get to that scene, though, one thing that I really didn't like about this initial Dragonstone scene is that Tyrion's like, this Jon Snow's an awesome guy. You should have her and have him over. And Danny's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to listen to everything he has to say and make him bend to my will. Like, just shoehorning <laughs> that in there at the end is like, I don't know. Do you think that's part of her are character they tr- now? Are they trying to set up of her like going mad? Do you think they're just like trying to put in little bits of them descending down a really dark path? I think they've been doing that though, all the way back to when she was taking over cities and crucifying <laughs> folks. Yeah. Like they've been like hinting that she's kind of, you know, on the edge this whole time. It's not like out of left field. Hey, I think she but, misses killing madness. people. Could be. I think you might be extrapolating a lot. And who speaking of extrapolating <laughs> oh, okay. that's the worst segue of all time. I don't know why this is extrapolated. <laughs> Wait, what, what's being extrapolated? Let's, let's see where you go okay, well, <laughs> what was extrapolated? Nothing was. If you were bored from the two initial scenes and, you know, getting ready to turn this off, the third scene is going to jolt you awake because it's a eunuch giving, I'll just say it, cunny linguist to a woman. And it, <laughs> I need to wash my mouth. But, like, okay, like, this storyline that they forced in that's not in the books it's really the culmination of that and i find the fact that they didn't show his severed man parts and this was the culmination and it was so lame was kind of weak mike i know you like this scene well i i don't know about that i mean i wanted to see what was going on in this downstairs situation is it one is it two is it both <laughs> I needed. Stone. I need. I needed to know. I needed those answers, and I never. Of all found the out. things Game of Thrones shows, like why? I can't believe they didn't show it. Actually, what? that's what I'm wondering too. They do that with the eunuch. They always make a bunch of references to his situation down there, but 
they never really go into any more detail about it. I'm surprised you guys want to see it so much. I, I just want to know. Just, is it just let, let the bag scene be a bag scene. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're just not going to bring up the boobs. bags in this scene? Yeah, oh, great bags. We skipped over the boobs, man. It's not my fault that there's one pair of boobs in this episode, and there's three connecting storylines of eunuchs. Like, what is George R. R. Martin's problem? Ferris is a eunuch, this dude, Grey Worm's a eunuch, and freaking Theon's a eunuch. Ends the episode. Uh, he's like, more than a eunuch. It happened a lot back then. Did it? Back what do you mean back then? Back then? <laughs> <laughs> when he was growing up. In fantasy times. <laughs> I was... I was also watch- kind of upset they didn't like put in like some steamy like love making music or like some high pitched jazz noises. Maybe Ed Sheeran could have entered scene just to Maybe. Play some bedroom music. <laughs> I think the thing that pissed me off the most is like right when the scene's like starting to get really intense and good, they smash cut to fucking Sam, like the least sexy part of all of <laughs> Now who has the segues now, Pat Father? Hey yo. <laughs> <laughs> like w- when we go to Sam scene, like is he just the king of gross this year or what? It's like I think the Sam stuff's just objectively boring and stupid, and so like they're like, all right, let's spice this up with an attempt at comedy and just being disgusting, and that's their attempt to make this like interesting. Sam's also being used to like wrap up a couple things too. He's trying to find out a way to find this this dragon glass or whatever, and he's also, like, simultaneously helping uh, this guy with grayscale. Jorah. Uh, what's his name? Jorah. Which has been a thing for, like, two seasons For some now. weird reason. I really started to get in the episode during the Samwell scenes. It, he's really grown on me, and like you said, like, because his plot lines are a little more complex, I think it makes it maybe a little more interesting. And he's, like, getting stuff he- done, too. I mean, he's... He's taking actions for once. And I think him like being away from John really helps his character too. Cuz he always seems like not as cool as John and it really takes away from the scenes when John's in them. But I agree with you there, Josh. I just don't see him as like a leading guy. I think his scenes are kind of like boring and like if the whole reason that like he leaves the wall to go to Old Town is to find out that Dragon Stone is on Dragon Glass, that's like the big reveal like Stannis had already said that at some point in the series. Like, I don't think that is the big reveal, though. I think that's just. Do you think there's more to come? Yeah, I mean the like whole from his studies. I, I do. I think he'll find out more, and I also think, you know, his plot line with his dad and brother is going to intertwine, and now he's involved with Jorah, so he's actually got a lot going on. Gilly's kind of been pushed aside, though, and the baby that never ages. <laughs> Who cares? She she sucks. Yeah, that, she is pretty boring. I'm kind of glad they've put her by the wayside. But speaking of kind of boring, I think Cersei is kind of boring. This, I, Yeah, I'm trying to force him in. Uh, Just killing it. <laughs> I think Cersei is kind of boring this season in her one-dimensionalness. Like, she's lost it, but I, I don't know. She's just mean because she she's wants to be mean. She's always been kind of one-dimensional throughout the series, though. But at least she had her. Are you talking about? At least seriously. Are you talking about the scene where she's talking to Sam's parents? Yeah, and every. Her dad. Yeah, 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 and the scene where she's with Kyborn and he's showing her stuff like. Oh right, yeah. And Have I those just, two banged? What? No. No. You don't think so? Dude, you have some weird theories. 
<laughs> you thought Sansa was going to kill John last week. Let's not let that one die. It's possible. Just saying. <laughs> Maybe indirectly. Cersei <laughs> has gone like full Donald Trump this, this season. She's trying to tank Fear the campaign. minorities. Being super racist, spinning everything to her own own purpose. Yep. Yeah, so I thought I think when she had kids, she had a down to earth, relatable side, and now that all her kids are dead, she's just one dimensional psycho bitch. So, anyway, we can move on. Um, Winterfell. I think the biggest takeaway I got from this whole scene was that Sansa did not want to see her brother go. She loves him too much to see him go. <laughs> John, please don't go. Who's going to wash the castle when you leave? You can, Sansa. Okay, peace, John. Later. Later, bud. Did you guys notice like her power-hungry side coming out? For sure. I think Littlefinger did, too. He gave like this little big girl look. How many times can they show Littlefinger leaning up against that same oh fucking wall? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's Littlefinger's thing is the it's lean. It's the same spot, too. <laughs> lean and every, look menacing. Every episode. There's got to be a YouTube video somewhere of just all his leering scenes <laughs> cut together back to back. It would be like an hour long. Littlefinger lean compilation part one. <laughs> Seasons one through four. Over 10 hours. <laughs> over 10 hours of footage. Part 10. <laughs> I thought this this part of the episode had an interesting callback when Ned takes little er sorry John takes Littlefinger by the throat and slams him against the wall, much like Ned had done in season one. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, Josh, I want to ask you about some speculation too, because there's another scene in the series where Littlefinger takes Sansa to the crypts, and she says something offhand about like essentially that like hinting that John's parents are who they are. And a little finger like raises his eyebrows. Um, do you think that Littlefinger knows who's John's real parents are? And do you think that will come into play at some point? I think the smarter people that have been around probably have a good idea. Ferris, Littlefinger, and maybe a couple other like lords or something. But I, how does how and why can that matter at this point? Like you, like I don't know. How that can come into play, I guess. Unless there is some sort of power struggle in the North. I wasn't, I don't know. Explain to me what you mean. Like if, if Stevie's right and Sansa tries to take over, uh-huh. which I think is plausible, like could she say something to the effect of like he's not the true heir or something? I they have know. been fighting in two straight episodes with Viking people going, here, here, and aye, aye. And I can't stand those scenes. But um, I do think there definitely is a power struggle. I, I think Saz is definitely power hungry. And I think uh, Littlefinger will, will use that to his advantage, whether she knows it or not. Right. And John ends up deciding to go meet Danny in the south in Dragonstone. And he wants to, he wants to try to get that dragon glass, that dragon ass. He wants to uh, get something. <laughs> What's he going there for, guys? So they're going there to set up a mining operation. I mean, how far away are these White Walkers? <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about on the timeline here? Why couldn't Sansa have gone? 
That's a good question too. I mean, she doesn't know how to like fight. Like in addition to John? No, instead, where everyone's like, you have this little girl yelling at him, and all the people are yelling at John. Like, you can't leave. Why didn't they just send Sansa? Fair point. I mean, she wasn't invited, so. Well, clearly she, she didn't want. In in Game of Thrones lore, their grandpa gets sent with their like uncle, and they get summoned south, and they go, and they like get killed brutally. So it's part of their history. So I don't think she wanted to go out of fear, and she kind of said that's why she didn't want him to go until he handed over power to her again. But that kind of reminds me that does this episode feel like a lot of girl power to you guys? Not that that's bad, but do you guys I think the whole that? series has been a lot of girl power. I definitely noticed it. I mean, in the first scene, you have like the the four women, even though T- Tyrion is the one kind of explaining the plan, but then you also have the Sand Snakes later on. Uh, Yara this plays a pretty big part later on as well. Well, I think the whole... It's beyond just girl power. I think it's more like underdog power, right? Because like you touched on, there's a bunch of people who have their penises cut off who are disadvantaged and like little people and Bran's in a wheelchair now. Like we're sort of setting up that like... <laughs> it's not a wheelchair <laughs> really, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wheelbarrow. <laughs> God, we're horrible people. Please continue, Pat. Well, I have one question for you too. And I think that... It doesn't make a lot of sense from a time perspective. It's like, what's John going to do? Like, go down there, carry a bunch of fucking dragon glass back with him? Like, will they forge weapons? Like, I don't really get that. I think, like, the main reason they sent John away is that they're setting up for the John Arya reunion. No. And I think that pretty much all the kids are going to be at Winterfell except for John and set that up. Um, I think they're going to. Yeah. In true Stark fashion, I feel like him and Arya are going to miss each other in passing as she, as he leaves Winterfell and she arrives and it's really it's really frustrating and well I think that's like last episode type shit that reunion like the longer they prolong it the more powerful it will be I guess speaking of reunions though Josh what did you think about the hot pie scene <laughs> well Pappy I was going to actually pose this to you because you did not agree with our assessment that the edge shirt Sharon scene <laughs> last week. Oh, you, God. you thought that that was a needed scene. Um, we did not. And you said because Arya gets to show her humanity. And I think, isn't that what this hot pie scene was supposed to do? Couldn't they have just waited an episode? Mm, I don't know. I, I think it's more than just showing her humanity. I think they're showing in the first episode specifically two different ways she deals with adversaries. Like, she chills with the Lannisters, and it was very intentional that they were Lannisters. And early in the very beginning of the episode, she kills a bunch of Freys. So it's, I think they're kind of set up for like her to make some sort of choice and to become her arc to be, then become more compassionate after she's had this like cult military kill training and this time with the Hound. Like I think there's going to be something at the end where she's going to have the choice of actually like something similar to with the Hound, where she can actually kill the person or like more like let them die or something like that where we see her sort of come full circle. And I think that's sort of, and even with the scene with the wolf, like I think that's sort of like we're seeing more sides of her after two seasons of this combat training. Jordan kind of spoiled the fact Nymeria was in this episode last week when he mentioned like what was on the up next on, on Game of Thrones. But like 
him spoiling it and saying that Namiria is in the episode was literally all that happened in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a weird scene to preview for the next episode. I mean, nothing happened. Was it Nymeria? Well, that's the thing. Like, I flat out don't get it. I think it was Nymeria. She said it's not you. And then she says it, it's not you. And I I feel like it's bad writing at that point. Ooh, I, I don't know. Because I think this is actually good writing. I think this is like classic Chekhov's gun. Like, show him the thing. Remind everybody who Nymeria is twice. Like, once at the end, upcoming, and once in the episode. So that way, when Nymeria comes back, like in the very end, it's more epic, and like people are like, "Who the fuck is this wolf?" Like, but I feel like if that wolf to make it comes back now, that means this scene. Not is, now. No, if like when when Arya's in trouble, yeah, when like net, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if the wolf ever comes back again to help, I think this scene makes it do sex machina because the wolf's basically telling her, if I'm interpreting it right, like we've we've grown apart. I'm not going to kill you, but. I'm not your wolf anymore. So that would make Nymeria coming to Arya's aid make even less sense in my mind. Or the wolf saying, I'm a part of this pack now, and Arya has to go back to her pack, but they still love each other. First, first I was, I was alone. I, I was a lone wolf. Now, now I'm part of a wolf pack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a one-man wolf pack, just making my way. I don't know. Do you really think this wolf is going to come back and bring all of his friends? Do you really think he's that? Yes, ten million percent. Thinking? Yes, I would. Wolf is critically thinking on how he can help this war. Because I mean, like, there's been rampant like internet speculation that like at some point Nymeria is going to come back. Like, otherwise, then this is like this is either terrible writing or really at least kind of clever writing. Because if the wolf doesn't come back, then this was basically just like showing the internet that your theory wasn't correct. Which would be really lame. I'd like to think they know what they're doing a little bit more. I that reminds me earlier in the episode where Miss Andi tell like she corrects someone who's interpreting in High Valerian, like Ugh. no, actually that word could mean prince or princess, and it's like totally just like a fan service like theory referencing wink wink, and I feel like this was too almost like a goodbye to Nymeria. And Pappy, if you think this is such good writing, please tell us what it means when she says it's not you. Like, what does that mean? It was a reference to the first season yeah. when Ed uh, was telling her, you're going to be a great princess. And she's like, that's not me. It's a direct reference to something in the first season. Josh. But what it, I still don't know what that it means. Is who's, who's paying that close of attention? What, what does it mean? Because it, yeah, really, who's paying that close of attention? Because no, it's saying that she's she's not anyone's slave. She's doing her own thing, like she, the same way Arya didn't conform to like society standards. Like the wolf isn't. Like I'm not saying it's like the wolf has fucking, societal standards. Yeah. No. Okay. You know what I mean. I'm not saying it's fucking brilliant, but I'm saying it served a purpose. I think the real purpose is to set up the wolf comeback. I, uh, I agree with Pappy. I'm on your side, man. No, I think this writing is so brilliant that only the Pat father could truly understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, too. Is like You said, like, what does that mean? Like, the, I think that when they're writing these scenes, like they're anticipating intense internet scrutiny. Like Every line 
they know is going to be like overanalyzed. So like, I think that maybe that's what we're seeing a little bit with the fan service, but like, I also don't think they're just throwing out things willy nilly. Like they know, they, they're aware of what's going on. It's the biggest show on TV. You want fan service? We got fan service. The next scene is Euron Greyjoy just starts off on the bow of a ship, just like slamming down on <laughs> Ash's ship. Just like pow. How, I freaking love this scene. I think it put Pirates of the Caribbean to shame. I think it put the rest of this episode to shame. What do you guys think? Better than Waterworld? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty cool. It was pretty hectic. Uh, I think it was pretty neatly shot. I just really don't like the Euron character that much. I wish there were more sparks and flames flying all over the place. That would have really added to it. <laughs> There's so many flames. A lot of like ashes on fire falling yeah. to make it more cinematic. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we rewound this scene and watched it again. Did, were you guys... I mean, I really like this scene. It's been a while since I've seen a fight scene this cool, I feel like. Nah, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would equate it to like Marvel level action or like superhero level action. It wasn't like I had hard, kind of a hard time telling what was going on and maybe that's intentional, but like I wouldn't put in like my top three Game of Thrones battles or anything like that. I think this might be right around three for me as I thought it was really cool. Um, part of the reason that we did rewind it is because it was things sort of happened fast and I wanted to. I thought that he had been stabbed like twenty times, but it turns out she had a whip, and that was a really bad choice by her. But I, I mentioned fans. <laughs> doesn't he get? Doesn't he get stabbed in the I dick? Think he, no, that's some one of his men under the, like under the uh, bow. But yeah, he does get stabbed like once, like with the tip of a spear, kind of. But he powers through it. But like the rest were whips. So after I saw that again. I was even more of a fan of the scene and we we're talking about fan service and the way he kills the two sand snakes that he kills is like pretty obvious nod to the audience like we know you hated these girls and we're gonna give them extra violent death they were the worst are they pretty like are they cool in the books josh uh they're they're very they're very much a side character like they're, they're not, rough they're not the as, yeah, they're not as big in the book. So again, I think that's where the creators of this show weren't able to pull from the source material because they aren't really as prevalent, but well, Steve, yeah, uh, Stevie, you said you, and I'm totally on board with you. I hate the whole Greyjoy plot. I think it's underdeveloped, but like it's super unearned is what I think. Why do you think it's even in here? Like. It, well, from I read a ton, on, especially on the books. I haven't read the books. I just read up on them a ton because I don't feel like reading a thousand-page books in my free time. But um, hasn't yeah, Euron been around forever, like in the in the book lore, Josh? Uh, he's you hear tell of him, but much like the show, he doesn't actually show up until yeah, pretty late in the series. Yeah. Well, this is what what like gross, I get yeah. mad about because like. Throughout this series, they've done a great job of, okay, this is a really bad person. If anyone gives them power, we're screwed. And when those people get power, it makes it super compelling. 
And I feel like after Ramsey died, they really scrambled in the creative room. They're like, well, we got Euron. And they just shoehorned him in. So I feel like a lot of, like, he could be way cooler had he been mentioned a lot more in the early scenes or been a character we didn't know who his name was and shown up throughout the series. And I just think um, he may be, like, like a really bad person and ruthless. It's just, I think it's undeserved. I, I think in the books, because you dear, you do hear about his legend as books go, like they can add a lot more exposition in the show. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to develop that character. But I think what the show did do well is I think you really get him because you've, you've know you like really know the family. So you like kind of get his traits and he's like the stereotypical Greyjoy, and the psychotic, (laughs) psychotic. And just like he takes action. He takes action right away and takes what's his right. Mm hmm. And I think, Stevie, I was proven wrong last week because I said that the priceless gift would be an attempt at Tyrion's head, but it looks like... You think it's the horn? No, I think he's bringing... Because no. uh, Mama Sandsnake, whatever her name is, Alaria or El- whatever her name is, she, if you remember, she poisoned Marcella, Cersei's daughter. So yeah. he's going he's gonna to bring her back and she's going to get some oh, nasty torture I was kind of hoping on. the gift well, would break the dragon binder. So when they took them prisoner, they have Alaria, is that her name, like the mom? And then they also have one of the Sand Snakes too, right? The one, uh-huh. they, they got them both from below deck. And, and they Asha, also have Yara. And Asha, Yara, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I think there's going to be some torture scenes. And we kind of breezed over a minute ago, but there's like a weird start of a sex scene between Alaria and Yara. Yeah. <laughs> and my... My coworker said something really funny today. He said, I get that they're making all the sands be pansexual faux Spaniards, but I don't buy that Ilaria would dig Yara because she's just not attractive. <laughs> and I was like, ouch. <laughs> she is queen of the Iron Isles, though. It's kind of sexy. What'd you guys think about uh, Theon going like full Ricard when uh, what's her name uh, Asha when Asha was like uh, had like a dagger to her throat and he's like, ah, ah, and just freaked out and jumped off the boat. He's had a tough tough go. He's, he's had a terrible years, man. He's just he's just trying to survive. Regretful decision after regretful decision for that young man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he was probably going to get murdered, though. They, he was probably going to get destroyed by Euron, and then he was going to kill Yara right after, probably. I think he would have killed Yara if uh, Theon took one step closer to him. Yeah, like killed her in front of him. Yeah, just to screw with him even more. But the, the episode ends with Theon swimming dickless as he is in a sea (laughs) all the ships sail away from him kind of ominous setting um any other thoughts you guys had on this episode or anything we breezed by that we shouldn't have is uh grayscale just really bad athlete's foot (laughs) that got way out of (laughs) (laughs) is that in your notes mikey (laughs) i made that joke a while ago i was watching the episode but i tried to shoehorn it i love it I, I like I, that we got introduced to a character named Dickon. 
I think maybe the strongest single part of the episode, even though it's really weird, was when they were going into uh, Jorah's grayscale, and then it cut to like that pie, and it was kind of a confusing mind trick for a second. They did that last week with the poop and the soup. Oh, they but this did. one was better. <laughs> this one was better, right? Josh, you hated it last week. You did. You hate hated it last the week. poop soup so much. But this was <laughs> this was cutting from one scene to another. A genius Plus segue. Pie is cool. This was a genius but segue. Poop, which I, poop and soup kinda, were part of the same scene, whereas the grayscale and the pie connected two scenes from different parts of Westeros. I didn't dig it, Josh, for the fact that I really wish they just would have like stuck out with Jorah and Sam instead of doing that segue with the pie, just so you can kind of get a feeling of the pain he really was going through and kind of make it awkward and painful for the audience. Did anybody else crack up when he was biting on that stick and like... Yeah. <laughs> As Sam was like stabbing at him with that tiny scalpel. <laughs> and Sam, no matter what scene, always has this awkward smile on his face. So he's holding this knife with this awkward smile. Like, ready? <laughs> yeah, he was straight up flaying him. Yuck. Super gross. But, uh, let's go around and give some yes or no's. Uh, Pat Father, you want to start us off? Yes. I don't know. It's fine. It's not the best. Like We've had plenty of Game of Thrones episodes. I'd probably put this at, like, of all the episodes, around the 65 percentile, you know, set, like, 68 percentile. Not great. Definitely a setup episode, but, like, better than last week's. And a little bit of action at the end, a little bit of bags. Could have used more missing dong, but not bad. <laughs> Jordan? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of agree with Pap on most counts. Um, kind of middle of the road, maybe a little bit above average. The final fight scene with Euron was pretty good. It kind of shows how how freaking crazy he is, um, and it definitely moved the plot forward and kind of uh, decimates a pretty huge part of Danny's plan to get to King's yeah. Landing and to capture that with like the the non foreigner army. Uh, so. I thought that was pretty good, and it kind of put it puts a dent in her plans, where she generally seemed pretty invincible with her dragons and everything. So it's a it's a yes for me. Uh, what about you, Mikey? Hey, wait a second. A real quick note on that. I think you hit on something. Like the Ironborn fleet is basically decimated, right? They had like a civil war, and the only ship that looked like it wasn't on fire was like one. So. Do you guys get the point. feeling that the Greyjoys are kind of, besides Euron, they're kind of out of this fight? Do you think that's what Euron wanted? Yeah. If, I mean, just so when he hooks up with Danny, he doesn't have to worry about the Greyjoy rebellion? I don't know. He said that they have the finest fleet in all of Westerosi history or something like that when he was talking to Cersei. So he was either bluffing or... They're just saying that to establish a fact. Well, at the end of the last season, he ordered a thousand ships to be built. So he probably has a few spares. Just bring up right away. Yeah. He's trying to bring back jobs to Mexico or <laughs> take jobs away from Mexico. And it's just not going to happen. Mikey, why don't you go ahead with your yes or no? <laughs> uh, I thought, I mean, it's definitely a better episode than last week, but I think think i still have one foot off the hype train it's just another setup setup episode and i think the fight at the end is like the only redeeming part of 
this uh, this episode so Not far. Not the bags. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just that that's a love story that is kind of like shoehorned in there. I feel like. I mean, yeah, they've been together for a while now, but like, do we really need to see one of them is going to die? I guarantee yeah. you, one of them will die. There's just setting up this love story so that we can have a tragic end uh, in the final season or something. Good point. But uh, it's it's definitely a better episode than last week. Uh, but I just want more. I just want to get towards the end of this series already. I just want stuff to start blowing up. I'm tired of it. Mikey, yes or no? It's a flaccid yes. <laughs> All right, Stevie. <laughs> I'm with Mikey as well. I have one foot off the hype train too. Um, I think this is probably going to do what season five did and have a lot of meandering around and then get to famous episode nine and all hell will break loose and everybody will call it a great season. Um, it's a super soft yes for me. And my favorite part actually was when Varus was talking oh. with Danny. Wow. Yeah, that was actually my favorite part. I actually, I thought he might die right there. All right. Well, so that's four yeses. I'll add my fifth yes to it, uh, making this episode preserved, I guess. A couple memorable things for me with this episode was that I was watching this with three other people, uh, mixed company, and that scene with Grey Worm and Missandei was so awkward and made us laugh. And I think at the end of it, I made some comment like, I'm glad we're all able to experience this together. And like, <laughs> if people watch that scene with other people, like it's weird. It puts you in a weird spot. So that I wanted to mention. And also the fight at the end with Euron Greyjoy, part of the thing that make makes Euron so badass in the books is that all sailors in this world of Game of Thrones, like when they fight ship to ship, they, you know, they just have like on clothes, regular clothes and like no one wears armor because they're too afraid to like fall in. And once you fall in with armor, you just drown. And Euron like just doesn't give a fuck and just wears huge things of armor. And like, he's just like a crazy man and lands and like it makes a scene where he's like lands on another ship and just starts slicing through people like all that much more believable because he's so much better equipped and i think the show could have easily played up on like that situation and shown that and made it cooler um but even so that scene was so cool at the end it got across that Euron's a badass and he's gonna do some real bad shit before the season is over so all of his sailors are mutes too aren't they is that book or show i don't that's book book stevie you haven't read the books yeah what the hell no i said i don't have time to read up on them i literally just wiki through them you realize the Wikipedia of Game of Thrones is roughly the same size as the books of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Bigger print, though. Bigger print. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to listen to our episode two, Game of Thrones, Stormborn. Um, I'm going to toss it to Spoiler Man, and that's it for us today. This was Spoilers. Dick on. Dick on.
Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme. Our number is 903-776-4507. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please don't forget to leave us a review by searching for movie spoilers, clicking on the cereal bowl, select the reviews tab, and leave us some stars and some words. That was spoilers. Dick on.